0: Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brown.
1: 2912, to your point, Brable is not a very good coordinator in Houston. He didn't have a good year. There were a lot of injuries that year. I would say that Brabel's better leader manager than he is defensive play caller. Uh, 2769, tough coaches. Chuck Daly? I don't. Uh, you would know more about that than I would. I mean,
2: he was a popular coach. I mean, with the Bad Boys in Detroit, I don't. I mean, he was. He, a he, he, was a gun? he was a hard ass. Was he? Um, Yeah, but then obviously he had, you had to change your tune when you're co- coaching the Dream Team. But they picked him to coach the Dream Team for a reason because even the biggest egos on the planet would listen
1: to him. Yeah. The um, which which is it? It's not the Redeem Team. What there, there's that documentary on the '92. 92 was the original dream. dream Yeah, I can't remember where the documentary aired, but they had a lot of Chuck Daly, Michael Jordan interactions. That was awesome.
2: You're talking about the one that NBA Films did? Maybe. Yeah, it's really well done. And and that is when they even kind of got into and broke down the whole reason that Jordan, who didn't want to actually come out and say he didn't want Isaiah on the team, but that was the biggest issue was Chuck coached him and loved him. And, and But, you know, at a certain point in your career, you got to say, hey, do I want to coach the greatest team ever assembled or do I want to stay so loyal
1: to Isaiah that I can't do it? Yeah, it was uh, that was a really good uh, doc. I, I don't remember the name of it, but it's just to have the Chuck Daly and the bad boy Pistons and all the history. And then like he and Jordan became like friends like that. Yep. Uh, Alpi Shingun having a really good year. Many people saying he should be an all star, which like I, I think he's playing at an all star level. Uh, I don't know the Western Conference and like who's playing well to say if like Alpi didn't make it, like who's snubbed, like who who should be getting in over. I, I'm not ready to have that conversation. But Alpi was on that podcast with uh, JJ Redick. Uh, it aired yesterday. They, they dropped it yesterday, and Alpi talked about how much he loves being coached by Ime Adoka.
2: Do you Ime. feel like he's hard on you? Yeah, but I love it. You love it? Yeah, I love it. I love it a lot. And I, was, I, I mean, where I grew up, I mean, in Europe, it's normal. It's like, yeah, still Ime is so hard on me, but. I can't say there's nothing, you know. Alpi like, talks really fast. I mean, he not cursing that much. Like, I mean, he cursed, but not that <laughs> bad, you know. In Turkey, I was like bad voices, cursing, screaming, like that's every know? coach you played for in Turkey, pretty yeah. much, pretty much. Yeah. When yeah. I was 18, I was already to grow up, so I wasn't like you know. It didn't affect you. At yeah, that it didn't point. affect. Me you at point. There's Alpi I, I mean, Alpi I do. I sure. you want, want to try the uh, best <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now that what I really think is I'm trying to listen to Alpi as fast as I can.
1: Yeah, I think that was on two times speed, but uh, but you you get the gist there. I mean, you could understand. And Alpi's a slow talker. It was a minute clip. We got to play it fast. Times of the essence. Um he talked about how much he likes that that coaching and we, you know, we talk about Jalen Green, and people are going to bring Jalen Green the, into this conversation as well. This like, It's kind of the conversation we were having yesterday, how players are conditioned nowadays. Alpi Shingun was staying there in Turkey. He was raised with coaches who were going to dog cuss him the entire practice. And it was intense, it was hard, but that was his upbringing. That's what he was conditioned by. That's what he knew. So he's used to it. He's used to what Adoka is going to bring to the table. In fact, Ime Adoka probably can't stack up to those, you know, youth- Level coaches in Turkey, a guy like Jalen Green and other guys like him, because I think Jabari's a guy that accepts oh, you, you the coaches hit the two too. That but, I was gonna go
2: to first, but he yeah.
1: but he also went to Bruce Pearl at Auburn. You know what I mean? So like he wasn't an AAU guy yeah. like Jalen Green who went. He went to the. Uh, what was he he, the went to, he went to the. Um, he went to the G League. He went straight no, it's to not the G League. It's overtime it's elite. elite. No, I think he went to the G League. I thought Jalen went to the G League. A man went to the overtime elite. Okay, I could be wrong on Jalen, but I'm I'm like sixty percent sure. Okay. It, it, regardless, the mm-hmm. the point's still the same where Jalen Green's never had tough coaching. Right. like Jalen Green's been caught up on the AAU circuit and being coddled and what can we do for you and how much like do you need and we love you so much. He's never felt the tough coaching until now. And it's not a knock on Jalen Green because there's a lot of players like him as well. But I think the reason that Alpy's taken to it so quickly is because he's used to it. He's conditioned to it. Whereas Jalen Green has never seen it in his life, and I think we need to have a little bit of patience here. My dad's a is a golf instructor. He always talks about how... Like golf instruction with like guys who've played the game forever and you're trying to change their swing. It's like trying to mold hard clay. Whereas somebody who's never played, it's like molding really soft clay. Like it's very, it's easy to do. You don't have bad
2: habits or you're not conditioned a certain way.
1: Alpy is soft clay. Jalen Green's hard clay. And that's okay. Like Jalen might figure it out in two years and he might, it might click for him. Whereas Alpi already has clicked. But that's the biggest takeaway I had from hearing Alpi here was that he's conditioned to this. He took to Eme's coaching like a fish out of water. And then it's like, okay, well, Jalen didn't have Turkish coaches in youth league. He had people that were like giving him probably, you know, candy. Uh, That's a weird thing to say. He had people that were coddling him along the way. Well,
2: and here's the thing, too, because I've told people for years the reason why, where they say, well, why are foreign players so far advanced than American players, especially when they get in the league and they get in the draft? It's because they get that hard coaching from an early, age, and half their day is education, half their day is basketball. And when it's basketball, it's not one-on-one isolation. It's fundamentals. It's learning how to play both ends of the floor. It's learning how to do a lot of things that he wasn't getting, because I remember I referenced when you and I were talking early in the season, when they said to Alpi, what's the biggest difference in the turnaround in last year to this year? And he said, coaching, because he's actually getting some. And because he, Silas just basically threw the ball out there and just said, hey, they'll get it, and the more experience they get in the league, they're going to be able to adapt. You're right in the fact that there's, you know, Kelvin is the kind of guy at U of H that says, I don't want a guy that can't be coached hard at U of H because he knows that he, that's a certain style that he coaches with. But if you listen to him and you, you can take that, you can get a lot better and you can be a part of some special things. But there are guys that just aren't conditioned in, in that mentality. And a lot of the guys that come up now playing AAU ball and get coddled their whole life and just given the basketball and get out of the way, they only know one thing, which is, It's their way or the highway, and they're the star, and everybody has to cater to them. And they don't understand what it's like to go into a system like Duke and have to play team basketball or a system. But even with the Bruce Pearl example, if this was Bruce Pearl in years past – Sure, but because Bruce Pearl needs that bonus baby, big-time, top-five recruit on his team, he's probably going to coach him a little differently uh, than he did in the past.
0: Uh,
1: I, I know, think I Bruce Pearl, cha- I, I think he's changed a lot. I couldn't, I mean, I've never been in a, in a Pearl practice, so I, I couldn't tell you. I I don't know, but there's coaches in college basketball that will not change. That, well, I th- agree with that, that too. They will not change, and the reason they will not change is because they know if they do change, then they're not going to be as good. And they're willing to sacrifice perhaps a prima donna who's the number one prospect in the country for the number twenty eight prospect in the country who is going to play his tell off within the system that you want him to play. So like Alpi Alpi's doing that. I think that Jalen Green wants to do that. I think it's difficult for him to really know how to do that because he was not conditioned that way. Alpi was. Uh, I would, like, so 713-780-ESPN, moving the conversation to who on this roster are Ime Adoka guys? We mentioned a couple. Alpi absolutely is. And I think that Alpi, you can tell it more on the defensive end than the offensive oh, sure. end. Like, he's always been super skilled offensively, but look where he's at defensively now versus a year ago. Mm-hmm. People thought you could never have him on the floor. He was so poor defensively. Now, part of that's because Ime Adoka's coaching staff is good, and they take him out of his weaknesses defensively, but it is also the effort that is there and his desire and mentality, all of that. Uh, Jabari, I would put Jabari as being an Ime guy that likes the toughness, that likes to be coached hard. Jabari, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
2: I think I think he's getting there, but I think he was another one that I think was coddled quite a bit along the way, But I, and so I think it was, I don't want to say it was a harsh reality, it was an adjustment for him, more than it's maybe been a, more of a harsh reality for, for Jalen. I think he's gotten better. And the one time that he was benched and he accepted it and he yeah. went along with it, you know, as as a few, we were in a couple of weeks into the season, that showed me that he was turning the corner. He was getting it. But I thought at the start of the season it was an adjustment for him too.
1: See, I think he's, uh, I think he's taken to it. I think that he plays with that mentality uh, of being tough, and I think I, I noticed it on his rebounding. Like he's become a better rebounder as of late. Tari Eason certainly, for sure. that guy. Tari Eason was that guy before May ever walked in the room.
2: No doubt. Uh, Tari Eason's a guy that just understands. You know he, he's got a little toughness to him, and he and I, you just you kind of look at him going. If he's going to do all the dirty work, that's a guy that knows. And, and I think a lot of it too is evident when you see after the initial huddles at, at timeouts when uh, uh, Adoka does a little extra coaching, and a lot of times he's he's kind of passionate or he's screaming or yelling. The guys that are still hyper focused, dialed in, nodding their head and, and interacting with him, you know that they're already bought in, and that's exactly what they how they want to be coached. Tari's one of those guys in every, almost every huddle.
1: Yeah, Dylan Brooks.
2: For sure. I think ah, it's funny. I,
1: until I think recently.
2: He that guy. Until recently. He got benched the other night. Well,
1: no one likes being benched. No,
2: but but and again, because he's got the big money now. So now I think that it changes your attitude a little bit. That I, I think that maybe he didn't expect that he would be sat down like Jalen and Jabari and some of the other guys. And I think he got a little harsh reality
1: that Udoka's not,
2: he doesn't care how much you make. If you're not doing what he wants you to do, he'll sit you down.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if he might end up on the injury report today, but he didn't. So With injured feelings? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was I was thinking that maybe there was like a sprained ankle that kept him out of the game, but no, he was flat out benched. <laughs> yeah, there, was, there was sprained <laughs> was, something else. He was flat yeah. out benched. Uh, Fred Van VanVleet, he, he's definitely a guy that can
2: take the coaching.
1: Yeah, he can take the coaching. And then the um, anybody else that comes to mind, you know, Jeff Green's a veteran. He's going to take any. I'll sort tell you, of the coaching. one that's still
2: kind of up for grabs is Amen. Yeah, because Amen again was a guy that got coddled, uh, and, and you know, and because of the star power, everybody was you know giving him the ball, getting out of the way, and seeing how far he could go because they knew he was going to be a top pick. And I think that it's not going to be decided in the first year, but I think early on, Cam and Cam, for sure, but he's adjusted, and Amen is still adjusting to where this is the first time in both those guys' careers. Where they are going to face scrutiny and tough love from their coach.
1: And I feel like uh, I feel like Cam. It was kind of a wake up call for him. Now he did go to Villanova, but he didn't get.
2: He didn't uh, play for Jay though. He,
1: exactly. He didn't play. Like it would have helped him, I think, to play for for Jay. sure. I think he. I think he had like a rude awakening. Like, oh yep. man. But I think he's adjusted nicely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he turned the corner.
2: Yeah. It, early on, that's why they sent him down because mm-hmm. he wasn't playing defense. He wasn't he, he wasn't understanding. It's not my way or the highway, and I'm not the superstar anymore. I'm just a, a cog in the wheel or a spoke in the wheel. And when, when he came back from the G League after he got some seasoning from Kevin Burleson, who's got NBA experience, and came back up, he had a different understanding, and he became a guy that was getting in the rotation.
1: A man has always been a guy who strikes me as, like, he wants the tough coaching. Like, even though he went the um, the uh, we, the overtime elite route, mm-hmm. He has kind of like an old basketball soul to me, like high basketball well, IQ. Loves the game. The, I don't. I don't. I've never really. I've never once noticed like diva, prima donna. No, 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 no. Yeah. Characteristics. The stories the you hear too about being a gym rat. Yeah, Can't stay out of the gym. They got to
2: try and take the you know turn the lights off and take the keys away from him when the gym is locked. He's going to the playground doing it on the asphalt. To where you know he's he's loves the, a guy that loves the game that's a student of the game. It's like CJ with the playbook in the, in football. Mm-hmm. If you're that dedicated to it then you know that if you're dealing with someone that knows the game probably better than you, you want to be a sponge.
1: Do you you think Jalen Green can get there? And what is the timeline for it? I, I think it's still somewhat
2: up for grabs. Do I think he can? Yes. Do I think he will? That's a different story because I think that it's going to take the intestinal fortitude to say, hey, look, I might not feel like I agree with this. I might not see the big picture early on, but if I don't try it, then I don't know what it can do for me that that might hurt me more than it hurts my
1: team. Yeah, see, I think it's in play. I, he's He's got a long way to go. He's got a long way to go. I, I don't think that it's like desire. I think he would like to get there. But he's got to change so many things about him, and and a lot of it's fl- like just feel too, because Ime talks about him a lot in the sense of like knowing when to make the right basketball play, and you can kind of see it at times with Jalen that it's kind of predetermined. How many times you see him go to the rim and it's like, okay, you should probably be passing the ball here, but still tries to challenge and he gets stuffed, or he lo- makes a, a terrible attempt at the basket where um, he should probably be looking to pass it off to the cutter and have an easy layup. He's he's not really good with having Phil of making the right basketball No doubt, because play. you
2: know where he really, like you kind of mentioned it, but you know where you can really see it is he's so gifted basketball-wise, he takes off before knowing where he's going. But he jumps so yeah. high that he can adjust midair, and in a lot of times the play works out, whether he does score or late, a guy commits and he sees a guy for a pass. Yep. But it's not pre-thinking going, okay, I'm going to come in the lane, two guys are going to come at me, i got a shooter and a kick in the corner. He goes up and then decides he's just so freakishly athletic that he can hang longer than anybody to find an
1: end result that works. You know where else you see it? You see it on his passes. Like, how many like good players who have fill for the game have a bunch of passes deflected? Not many. How many passes do you see Jalen Green get deflected? A lot. A ton. You know
2: what I was thinking the other night when, when Alpi waited for that backdoor cut? And made that touch pass and skipped it out in Great front. Play. Beautiful. And I said flip it, flip the script. Do you ever think that Jalen Green could throw that same pass to anybody else? I really don't. You think you mean the only he could only throw it to Alpi? No, I, I think Alpi making that pass, the court vision, and then being able yeah. to see it and throw it and think it through. I think Jalen's the kind of guy that couldn't make that pass because he hesitates a lot when it's not me doing what I do, which is scoring.
1: Man, I think it's that thin of a of a line. Mm-hmm. Like if you have that just a fraction of a second of hesitation, that's the difference between being a really good player and a player with... Really when they good say potential. a quarterback's
2: got to let it rip. Yep. Don't think about it. Let it rip. That's that's what we're talking about with Jalen Green.
1: 713-780-ESPN. Mock draft season. Who do you want the Texans to draft? Who does this mock drafter have for the Texans? And we'll put our feet into Nick Nick Casario's tiny shoes and tell you what we would do. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.
0: It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees.
1: He's blank, on Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN at 92.5. 713-780-ESPN. I saw this tweet. Tyreek Hill now admits a petition for divorce was filed. He claims that a bad word bonehead who works for him fired the paper, filed the paperwork without a green light. <laughs> What? <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> hey, I'm working on doing this. I, I'm I'm working on leaving my wife. Go go get the paperwork together for me, but don't turn it in. Yeah,
1: well, I guess he wanted to sit on it. So like, it was certainly like a thought in his mind that it's something that's about to happen. It's coming down the pike, but I guess that he wanted to wait for a little bit. I don't know. Tyreek Hill, really really good. I'm a little worried that Tyreek Hill might end up like Antonio Brown. Oh,
2: I see it. A little worried. There they are, might end up there like are Antonio signs. Brown. There are signs <laughs> that you are not wrong.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I have had those same thoughts going. Yeah, this one could end badly. Keep Vontez Perfect away from Tyreek Hill. Like the there's a lot of drama in the, the life oh, of Tyreek Hill. I don't think any hit by Vontes Perfect. Would
2: have made a difference in Antonio Brown. He's the one that hit Brown, right, over the yeah, middle? several times. A yeah.
1: lot of people are saying that's where he got his CTE, which I don't think that's how you get CTE. But <laughs> I think it's over that's, that's, time multiples. Right. But, I,
2: I mean, I did. I think Burfitt got
1: him more than once. Yeah, but if there was one really, like, over oh, the middle. No that was one ear hole yeah. that, like, concussed him, and he yeah. missed a considerable amount of time, and people always blame Antonio Brown's antics. The the room.
2: Perfect. You know, you think about that, too. Tom went to survive all that he survived and still had the success every single year because you had Le'Veon Bell, who was a little bit off too in terms of the way he thought, the things he did, and how he acted.
1: But how much did you hear from them when they're in Pittsburgh?
2: Well, remember None. it started. It started because he uh, AB was filming the the post game speeches yeah. but then, in the locker room.
1: But I think they got rid of him that off season. Like I think that was going on in his maybe. final year. Yeah, and then Le'Veon Bell's like antics started whenever his contracts. And then, like I would say, the biggest problem child in Pittsburgh during Tomlin's time was actually Roethlisberger.
2: Uh. I mean, at the end, I think, is when Ben really started just spewing. Well, you know, it was
1: more about the stuff he was doing away from the field. Well, that, too. Yeah,
2: for sure. I, I kind of saw a lot of that kind of almost a little bit secondhand. But, yeah. he. Hold on. <laughs> we were in Tahoe a couple times. I've told this story. We, oh, okay. we were in Tahoe a couple times for that golf tournament where he and his buddies were basically just thinking that they were invincible and that, you know, it, it, the, the women that were there and anything yeah. they wanted to do, and we were all just like, whoa, this dude just got in the league. There's a lot of people that act that way, though. Like, he's not the no only doubt. one. Oh, hey. no doubt. I saw, I've seen it a lot. But, you know, but at the same time, w- when you think about it from a Pittsburgh perspective, I think the guys that really kind of were, went off were Bell, Brown, and then Ben kind of, he kept it within the system for the most part. Maybe he did it behind closed doors. But then at the end, when he just started ripping what he never had and what they didn't do for me and things like that.
1: All right. Uh, mock draft season. It's here. Uh, having these, uh, I'm doing these mocks every day. I got criticized for another mock today, which the joke's on you. Uh, this one's from CBS Sports. It's Josh Edwards. His, um, he has this, uh, he, he has Caleb Williams go number one. It's very similar to the first four picks that we've been seeing. Now, he does have Jaden Daniels going number two. To Washington, so Drake May, yeah, Drake May falls to number, which is the same as Kuiper uh, But Drake May falls to number three to New England. Marvin Harrison's the pick at number four. Arizona has to be feeling pretty good about that number four pick. I would. You think there's any chance that Harrison goes top three?
2: It depends on if someone trades up.
1: Like I'm wondering if if like going quarterback, quarterback, See, no, quarterback. No, you know why?
2: Because if everybody assumes that the top, I think you know what? I think it depends a lot too on what the Bears do because if the Bears don't go, don't trade don't take Caleb but anybody who's train up one
1: for a quarterback
2: yeah because every. but I'm saying but if the Bears stick and stay yeah and, and they're not trading fields
1: I don't think they stick and stay and take Harrison at one I don't I think there's a better chance of like Harrison going third to like New England and the Patriots try to do like I I, I, I can't see New really England either.
2: trying to get off on the right foot and not going quarterback. it seems
1: like Arizona can just hang out and take Harrison at four it, it seems like that's where the like the highest that Marvin Harrison can be picked. Uh, Brock Bowers, fifth to the Chargers. Malik Neighbors, number six to the Giants. Joe Alt Titans need offensive line help. He goes to the uh, Titans. Dallas Turner, first defensive player off the board. Number eight to Atlanta. Jared Verse. This is as high as I've seen Jared Verse. Number nine is Chicago. And then Alumawa Fashuno, the offensive tackle. Just say it with conviction. Washington. Uh, going to the uh, Penn State. Penn State. Yeah, Penn State going to the uh, the Jets because they need some offensive line help as what well. Do they? All right, so fast forward quarterbacks along the way. JJ McCarthy, number thirteen to the Raiders. That would be interesting. Ooh, that seems high. Uh, and that's it for quarterbacks until the Texans are on the board. So the Texans are on the board, and this uh, mock has the Texans going with Chop Robinson. The defensive end from Penn State, 6'3", 254-pound behemoth. You hear the name Chop Robinson, defensive end Penn State. What comes into mind, and what is the scenario that has to play out before the draft for Chop well, it's Robinson? it's pretty easy. To that that means pick? John
2: Grenard's moving on. Either they've already told him, we're not going to the level that you are looking for financially and or years or John Grenard's just saying, I'm testing the market, I'm going for as much money as I can get, and for whatever they agree to disagree part ways, and and then you have a full understanding going into the draft. You do something like this, you're basically saying, I'm moving on from John Grenard, and I'm trying to find a bookend for Will Anderson.
1: I've, I've seen a lot of people, um, and I don't necessarily agree with this, that are okay with the idea of coupling a John Grenard, resign, and also drafting a defensive end. At number twenty three. Why would you do that? The because the the, the reason they say is because San Francisco, when D'Amico was there, they would just throw pass rushers at you and they would have this rotation and they would be really good and they get after you. You could also get creative on some third and longs. Like Will Anderson early in the year was playing a little bit of defensive tackle in pass rushing situations. They got away from that like after week five or six. Uh so you can have some creativity that way. I'm not a fan of signing Grenard to a multi year deal and drafting a defensive end at 23. Now, middle rounds, whatever. But if you were to franchise tag Grenard and draft defensive end at 23, I would be more willing to do that. Then you're,
2: you're kind of covering your own ass. Mm-hmm. If, if Grenard plays a year on the franchise and leaves, then you got him. If you're, but if you're going to lock up John Grenard, then the first thing that I'm looking at doing is doing what D'Amico mentioned in his end-of-the-season press conference, and that is making the defensive line better. So if I already know that I got Anderson and Gernard, then I'm going to look at Sweat, and I'm going to look at some of the guys from Texas. I'm going to look at some defensive, interior defensive linemen, because now I'm going to try and emulate more of what kind of players I want on my defense, kind of what I had in San Francisco. Now I'm going to build the inside middle of my defensive line, knowing that I have the two pass rushers on the edge.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of this idea if you re-sign Grenard. Now, if you don't re-sign Grenard, totally fine with uh, Chop Robinson. In fact, I'd be excited about Chop Robinson at number 23. All right. Two picks after Chop Robinson. Graham Barton, offensive tackle. Duke goes to the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to be mocked for a tackle in every single mock draft. Mm -hmm. And then he has Kool-Aid McKinstry going number 25 to Green Bay. So you're in the shoes of Casario. Those are your three options. Chop Robinson, Graham Barton, Duke offensive tackle, or Kool-Aid McKinstry, the Alabama corner. Who is the pick?
2: See, to me, it comes down to the status of guys already on your roster. If you move on from Stevie Nelson... And and they're 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 kind of a, they're they're correlated in the fact that if you move on from both, then I think that you can find other corners. Uh, and I'll think there's a highly you know a, a ton of high, like standalone uh, corners that stand up better than anybody else in this draft. Whereas I think that you would look at an edge rusher and say, look, if this is the way that I plan, if I'm not going to free agency to get John Grenard's replacement if he's leaving, then this is the way that I'm going to go. But if you know that one or both are staying, that's gonna that's kind of to define who I'm going to take here. But of the two, I think that you can. Find, there's many different options for both, really. But I'll, I'll take the better edge rusher mm-hmm. to pair with Will Anderson, trusting that I can find a veteran corner that's like a Stevie Nelson deal when you brought him in here, or I can find someone, a corner in the draft in the second or third round.
1: Yeah, this probably depends on what you do with your own guys. Yes, uh, for if sure. You, if you sign Nelson, Chop's the pick. If you sign Grenard, Kool Aid's the pick. Would you rather have Chop Robinson and Steven Nelson or John Grenard and Kool Aid McKinstry?
2: I'm going to take... See, this is
1: where money comes into play, though. Yeah, this
2: is big, but I'm going to take Chop Robinson and Stevie Nelson because of the fact that now you've got me a little leery on Grenard being able to stay healthy. Yeah, that
1: is something that worries me.
2: And how many years he's going to get at a really big number, whereas I get an edge rusher to replace him, and I'm paying him a fraction of what he's going to make, and then I bring Stevie Nelson back, a corner no matter what he's looking to make at his age is not going to make near the top corners in this league, to where I can get a couple year deal out of Stevie Nelson, and, and I get a a young, you know, bookend rusher to go alongside Will Anderson, and I got a boatload of money to play with.
1: See, I think that the talent is better with Grenard and Kool Aid. But what it's going to cost you and like against the cap and like what is shrewd and valuable, uh, I go with what you say as well. Uh, 713 780 ESPN, everybody's favorite game. Uh, It's whenever, usually it's Joe. Sometimes it's Brian. Brian Eater lately. We've been getting destroyed this year, and who said it? But who said it? Uh, Who's reading them this week? Is it going to be Abigail or Brian? Brian's going to be doing it. Brian's going to read to us what ESPN 975 personalities have said throughout the week in the Killer Bees. As of lately, guess incorrectly who said it. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN
0: 92.5. It's now time for the mega producer Joe George to do what he does best, and that's stumping. No one can stump the best stumper in Stumpville, and that's Stumpy Joe. Stumpy Joe. What happened to Stumpy Joe?
1: The official explanation was he choked
0: on vomit. Today, Stumpy Joe will try to stump the Killer Bees with Who Said It? Let the stumping begin. Let's get stumped. If Joe George is
1: Stumpy Joe, he's not here with us today. He's no longer with us. What would Brian?
3: Do? Oh, we've established it. Stumpy Brian? The, no, no. We've established it's canon at this point. It's Tremac. That's right. I yeah. forgot
1: about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. That's well established. Tremac? <laughs> <laughs> Tremac? Yeah, yeah Tremac. Tremac. Why? It's a play stump, on Tremac. Stump, Stump, Oh, Stump, yeah, Tremac. Yeah. He's I bigger He's bigger than, than Joe. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. good. I like that. Uh, all right, so Brian McDonald's going to read to us quotes, uh, five of them that were said by ESPN ninety seven five personalities, and the bees have to guess who said it. We need a win. So how many, how many we're weeks for in January? January? How many
2: weeks?
3: Oh, you're old for January. I don't think we've won in January. We're old th- for January. You
2: beat us early, I think.
3: And yeah, then, and then, and then just, Joe's just picked won up a, two in a row. Yeah, I think you guys are going to win this week. I do. <laughs> we'll
2: see. Don't, don't patronize. No, Whoa. no, I, I, no. I, that lightning?
3: Yeah. That, that startled me. Yeah, there was a you? huge Big lightning flash right out of I didn't the even window. see it. I'm so uh, locked in, yeah. I didn't even see it. Now There's I hear the thunder. There's the thunder. There's the, Jeez, There's the thunder.
1: when's it going to stop raining in this city? We had Apparently a beautiful never. Day Maybe yesterday. when you guys
3: win a uh, Who Said It? It'll stop raining yeah, in the city. Don't patronize us. Let's <laughs> see if we're going to win <laughs> right, this week. I do think you're going to win this week. Okay, let's see. All right, quote number one. Would it be great if, you know, if these kids are playing Chuck Cheese games, and if they failed, Chucky kills them?
2: Someone that has no experience with kids. So is Dell right Del
3: an option here? Oh, I should have clarified that from the beginning. No, he is not. Okay. Only the regular host. And was John here earlier this week? And for, no. for the record, oh, okay. obviously repeats are, are are allowed. You 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 I mean you
2: said that quickly. I mean, Paul has no experience with kids, so he would think about killing kids.
3: I
1: could see like uh, Connor or Beard saying this though. Connor's got experience with kids. Yeah. Beard has experience with kids. Sometimes people who have kids though wouldn't you know wouldn't mind that from time to time. Well, and speak about it outwardly. I don't know. Like any of those well, okay, three guys. So what did you it. think I mean, about when you heard it? Those three guys. Those three guys. Paul,
2: Connor, and Connor and Beard.
1: Because they always say things that are out there. Okay. But I mean, I don't have a uh, I don't have a feel one way or the other. You're heavily on Paul. I think we should go Paul. We'll try it. We'll go Paul. Paulie, Paulie, Paulie. Would it
2: be great if you know Gernardo. these kids are playing Trumpy oh, games and then Chucky? If once if they fail, Chucky kills them. Damn, I didn't see that one coming. That
1: was kind of like the Squid Games a little bit,
3: right? It was. That was actually, the, it was for News of the Weird, and they were talking about a Squid Games, like some sort of version with Chuck E. Cheese. I
1: watched it. y'all watch the Squid Game Challenge? No, I
3: have no, you not. You were
1: telling me I about watched it. it. I, it's all right. It's not bad. Local it, guy from Houston watch. in it, right? The Squid Game Challenge? Yeah,
2: I think so. I don't know. I think they were interviewing him on Channel 2 one day.
1: Yeah, it's not bad.
3: It's worth the watch, but it's not great. All right, number two. All right, quote number two. I'm saying I've got a bias. I look at the little the white guys who are wearing Texas stuff and A&M stuff and I'm like, is this guy really a good player or does he have a dad who has connections?
1: Hmm. This could be... Lance is going through a lot of film work right now. Like, Why else are they talking about white guys, Texas, and Texas A&M at this time of year?
2: Well, you know that Beard and Connor talk about it because of Beard's agginess and because of Connors' wife and the Alabama thing.
1: Well, would they still be talking about it outside of college football season?
0: Good
2: point.
1: And specifically both AM and Paul Texas. Paul has a
2: lot of biases because Paul openly talks about how he loves the Patriots, he loves the Celtics, he hates both AM and and Texas.
1: But his favorite football player was a white football player. Himself. Himself. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> one going a mile away.
3: Right, well, that is the it? correct answer, by the way. It is Paul's favorite player is Paul. It's
1: himself. Correct. <laughs> Taps 5A state champion in Florida. Well,
3: can you repeat All, it all district safety. All. Yeah. All right. Quote again is, I'm saying I've got a bias. I look at the little the white guys who are wearing Texas stuff and A&M stuff, and I'm like, is this guy really a good player, or does he have a dad who has connections? It's
2: weird he said stuff, oh, and I, not but not like I a think, jersey or uniform. Yeah, but I still think you're on the right path.
1: You think it's Lance? Yeah. Uh, this is my film.
2: I think that, I mean, who else is talking about that's what it? I'm but, yeah, when you got it. And the other day, they were talking about analyzing players, and he said he could do a job where if he did it for college football, he wouldn't put much time and effort into it. He would just go, that's a three, that's a four. <laughs> and then if he had to explain it, he would. I'll, I think you're right.
1: All right, let's go with Lance then.
2: I'm saying I've got a bias. Boom. I look at the, oh, little,
1: the, the white guys, the Texas first.
2: stuff, I don't think
1: you and like, A&M stuff. I don't and think- I'm, All right. So, what's what? his bias? Yeah,
3: I'm not, I didn't, I looked that I guess his bias are the non-whites I, I guess well, de- so He definitely isn't going to be against Texas because of his wife That's true Although he might, depending on how the, those conversations go, be against Texas in a moment or two You know how those go between husband and wife Alright, anyway, moment. Uh, clip number three You've met my wife and kids Both my wife and kids do not look like they come from my gene pool That's gotta be weird My wife, of course, Paul. doesn't That's it's a good thing Paul. because we're married It's it gotta like be beard. beard.
2: Sounds like beer. like it
1: could be
3: like it could, it could be, be land. I don't think so. It could be land. So,
1: I think this is beard. Wait, wait,
3: wait! One more time, please. You've met my wife and kids. Both my wife and kids do not look like they come from my gene pool. My wife, of course, doesn't. That's a good thing because we're married.
2: Now I heard Granado talking this morning about how he met Wendy, but yeah. it was a little different.
1: Granado was back.
2: Yeah, he called in.
1: Oh, I think this is beard. I think you're right. You just want to do it? Yeah, let's do Josh it. Josh Beard. You've met my, my yeah, wife boom. and kids. Nice. Both All my right, wife roll. and kids. They do not look like they come from my gene pool. All right. You're up uh, two to one. I sound like he was on a remote.
3: So one more to Inside lock in the, the win. Outside the decoy.
1: Might have slipped and fallen again.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he does that a lot. Or Fantastic. cuts his finger off. All right. Uh, quote number four. See if you guys can pull off the win. I've come to terms with my body aging and breaking down. You haven't gotten to that yet. You will. And I'll have a whole list of stuff waiting.
2: This could be Beard telling Connor because he's older than Connor. It could also be Lance telling um, Dell. W- oh, he could tell Dell, right? He wouldn't tell John, yeah, because he was on with Dell this morning.
1: Yeah, so like that could be Brian's trick if he's not using. And Del, we already, we all have highlighted how, how
2: much both Lance's body has broken down, even walking off a curb, and how Beard continues to have mishaps where his body is breaking down. Is Beard is Beard older than Connor?
1: I think so. I'm not sure. I think I, he is. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. They're probably around the same age. Can you repeat it one more time?
3: Sure. I've come to terms with my body aging and breaking down. You haven't gotten to that yet. You will, and I'll have a whole list of stuff waiting.
1: This could be beard. Yeah, it's it's either beard, or Lance. Yeah. No one else is. It's not Paul. I don't. Because you I'm haven't Paul. met his wife and kids. He hasn't either. Yeah. Well, he didn't say wife or kids in that one, did he? No, he. No, the wife about... and kids was the previous yeah, one. That was the previous one. But Paul talks about how you know immaculate shape he's in. Oh, he always does. Yeah, so he's not talking about his body breaking down. He thinks that he's in, like, Yeah, peak. he still
2: thinks he can play professional sports.
1: He thinks he's in his peak body era, where Lance wouldn't, Beard wouldn't. Beard's been a little fragile lately.
2: Yeah, stairs, fingers.
1: But I think he's so close in age with Michael, it wouldn't be I him. think you're
2: onto something. I think it's Lance talking I to so, I think
1: that's where that's where I'm at.
2: Yeah, I think we'll do that. All right, Lance.
1: I have come to terms oh, with my body
2: it. aging and breaking down. You have not gotten oh, to that yet. Yeah, you you will,
1: it. and I have, I have like, I'll have a whole...
3: Right there.
1: Was he talking to Was he talking to Michael or was yeah. he talking to
3: Andrew? He was talking to Michael. Josh okay. is older than Michael by a couple years. I was on that path. Dang, Dang it. it! All right, so right one on. last one, and this is a reintroduction of uh, Who Said It masterpiece theater with Michael Carroll nine. Oh great, oh, boy! Don't put a number on the front of the jersey. Put the big hammer logo or whatever the hell, the moon or whatever's on the Turkish flag. The
2: Crescent Moon?
3: Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, look look at me knowing flags. Flag trivia on the show.
2: Crescent Moon and the star on the flag of Turkey.
3: Is there a hammer thing somewhere? No,
2: there's no hammer. You're thinking communist. Oh,
3: well, they're close enough to communism. That is not... I mean, they're close to Russia, right? I don't know. I'm just asking. So, so like now, what's the rule on theater. this? We got
2: to get both of them right? We just, it's just yeah. guess the show?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, we don't have three people shows. Well, so. it's not producers
2: involved. Right, no okay. producers. So
3: it couldn't be Paulie.
2: So it can't be Paul. I'm not going to give you the answer. Well, but that's true. I, I just
3: told you. Uh, well, just, you're going to be a, you're going to be
2: Bush League if it I'm if it's Paul. Just
1: establishing it can't be Paul. And Paul would probably know the flags. Yeah, like like uh Sheldon on. Uh, yeah, he just kind of has that kind of show called with Sheldon on it.
3: Oh, uh the pr- the, the prequel? big bang theory. Yeah, there you go. The big, oh, big okay, the big bang I don't know if theory. you're talking about that no, one or young Shelton though. No, I was prequel. talking about the
1: like Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory, he's like he he, he has like a flag YouTube. So I, I can see Paul being Sheldon. I didn't know that.
2: Um Or do you think that Paul would not know that? The trickers flag. Oh
1: well, it doesn't matter. Paul's not gonna be in the answer here. He just he, he can't be with producer.
2: Oh if he can't be a producer, then okay.
1: Yeah, I don't think and I don't think it's Connor Beard. He said he wouldn't answer that. Right, but it would be Bushley because he said before the start of it, said, he's yeah, not going to use. That's the why producer. I
2: said, okay. That's why I said it would be Bushley. And okay. you said
1: Granada was doing it early in the week. I think that they would have this conversation. I think it'd be, I think it would be John and Lance. I, I what
2: I say I don't think on this one I said John was having this conversation earlier in the week.
1: I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you say that.
2: Yeah, not for this one. I, I, this one I don't. This is about this is about Alpi, right? I guess
1: I have no idea what those dudes talk about. They talk about anything. Can I hear it one more time, please?
3: Don't put a number on the front of the jersey. Put the big hammer logo or whatever the hell. The moon or whatever's on the Turkish flag. The
2: crescent moon?
3: Is that what it is?
2: I think so.
3: Yeah, look look at me knowing the flags. Flag privy on the show.
2: Crescent moon and the star on the flag of Turkey. Is there
3: a hammer thing somewhere?
2: No, there's no hammer. You're thinking communism. Oh
3: well, they're close enough to communism. That is not I mean they're close to Russia, right? I don't know, I'm just asking. It could be Connor and Beard. It could it's one of two, right? We either gotta go bench
2: or Beer or yeah, Connor I guess Beard. those are the only two it could be. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> now the 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 kind of Michael Carroll part of this sounds a lot like Granada. The kind of the pause and the, yeah, the cadence. Yeah, the cadence, right. Do so you want to do that? Sure.
1: All right, let's go with them. Don't put a number on the front of the jersey. Oh, put a big hammer logo or whatever it held the moon around. Oh, yeah. oh you're so the close. Flag. The crescent moon. I really is? thought you guys the were f- going to f- get yeah. it. Let Let know it. My flag.
3: Another L. Closer. Closer this week. We're, we, we missed two 50-50s down the stretch. Well, that means Houston's going to get a lot more rain, though. Yeah, so you like guys the, win. Who said it? It's like the groundhog
1: today. Yeah, bit. exactly. Yeah, we missed 2 50-50s down the stretch to lose by one. That's that's some, that's, that's some unlucky. Us. That was Rockets in the final th- And when we we Taylor was here, he would be uh, we giving right you the there. choke, we choke there. sign. Yes. We were the Rockets against the Blazers the yes. other day when they blew that lead. Yeah, we were winning till Somebody should
3: have fouled oh. with one point for six left. We choked. That's not a
1: good That was bad. All right. All right, these people these people are trying to help us on the uh, on the text line.
3: They're wrong. The I'm people... they, about to ask, did they have right answers? I just I just, the last, I just week looked you at said it. The
2: Twitch was trying to help us, and now the texts are trying to help us, and they're wrong.
3: The, they always try to help.
1: I never look at them like while we're in segment, so it's always a little bit hard to know like who when they were saying it. But this one was a second ago. It said the bench, which is no longer the bench. It's now John and Lance. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. You know who's the most critical Texan for 2024 success? It's not who you'd think. It's the killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
2: Hey, right now, a word for Allstate siding and windows. That's right. I just had a great experience with Allstate siding and windows. I just had new windows put in my house. And I am telling you the difference that they make in my house. First of all, it upgrades the overall appearance of the exterior of my house. But then I know what kind of savings I'm going to get by using those top quality vinyl windows. I can reduce my energy bills up to 40%. They are phenomenal. And the fact of the matter is they got specials going on all the time. They have all the different ways that you can get 24 months interest-free, 30% off on all windows, and much, much more. Mary, Mike, the family, they've been in business for almost 50 years supporting ESPN 97.5, Houston sports, and doing the best job out there when it comes to siding and windows. They can do it for you, too. It was really simple. I called the number, 832-204-1936. Mike came out to our house. He explained how they can help and what we should be looking to do. We did it. We got the windows. They look fantastic. The installation was painful and now we are reaping the benefit of lower energy bills and a better overall appearance to our house. And don't get it twisted now. With hurricane season, these windows are exactly what you need to endure all the different winds and weather that you're going to get and keep the cool air in the summer in and the hot air in the winter in just the same way. Check them out today. Go to allstatewindowsandsiding.com or call them 832-204-1936.
0: Tell them I sent you by. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios.
1: Brian's uh kiss my ass, Brian. I'm celebrating. You know when really good hitters get into slumps and they can't buy a hit, and really good shooters can't make a shot. Not that we've ever been good at this game. This is what it feels wow. like. You feel like you're never going, I feel like I'm never going to win who said it again. Hitters feel like they're never going to get a hit again. Shooters feel like they're never going to see one fall again. I don't think we're ever going to win. Yeah, we are. I don't think so.
2: I hope so. That was, that was, at least we got two that week. This week
1: it was at least we saved some face. I think it was worse to lose that way. Yeah,
2: well, do. you're now officially 0
3: for January because the next game's not until February. So we,
1: there you go. We were blank. Play another song, Casey. Thanks. In January. Uh, do you know who's the most critical person for the Houston Texans' success in 2024? It's not D'Amico, it's not CJ Stroud, it is Nick Casario. I was looking at, we were looking yesterday so the contracts and you know things you can get out of, but we know that everybody's a free agent, it seems, right? John Grenard's a free agent, Dalton Schultz is a free agent, Devin Singletary's a free Steve agent, Nelson. Steven Nelson's a free agent, maybe you cut a Jimmy Ward. I was looking at Cashman. their their dev chart and you can you're gonna have upwards of about a dozen starters that you have to fill going into next year. Right now, right now, you don't have a starting running back. I'm sorry, Damian Pierce is not a starting running back for the Houston Texans. Running back, a starter that you have to fill. You, I like Brevin Jordan. I'm not ready to make Brevin Jordan my tight end one. So there's a tight end that you have to fill. That's number two. You might have to fill left guard. You might not have to. kind of depends on who you ask. Like, is Juice Scruggs, Jarrett Patterson, Kenyon, uh, Kenyon Green, and Ken- Kendrick Green's also under contract. Maybe that's enough to give you a left guard. So maybe it's two and a half there. We won't count it. You need two linebackers. You need a middle linebacker. Perryman's gone. Cashman's currently a free agent. And you need a strong linebacker. So there's two more. That's upwards of four. Harris plays weak linebacker. You need a nickelback because Desmond King's not currently on this uh, roster because he's free. So that's five. You need a corner opposite of Derek Stingley. There's six. You might need a free safety. Depends on what you do with Jimmy Ward. Like, right. So we won't count that one, but you might need Rankins. another one. Um, yes, yeah, so it's another defensive tackle. That's seven. Another defensive end opposite of Will Anderson. That's eight. Would you consider a wide receiver three a starter? I would. Oh, yeah. There's nine. And then the other three, kicker, punter, long snapper. Because Johnston, Fairbairn, Weeks are all free as well. So that's 12 starters that the Texans have to fill before 2024. And who's the man responsible for filling those starters? It's Nick Casario. We talked a lot about how Nick Casario had a good offseason in 2023, which I think he did. Like, Casario had a really good offseason in 2023. I was critical of the draft. I was proven wrong with the draft. So I commend Casario for having a good offseason after people wanted him fired. They wanted him gone. So he did a good job. He's got to be able to do it again for the Houston Texans to really be taken seriously as like this team that can crash the Super Bowl party. Not only that, Jeremy, but you think about just how important it
2: is, it, not only what, who he drafts, but he has to be savvy with the way he handles his finances. He has to figure out, to the exercise we did yesterday, who do they feel is too valuable to let go and who can they negotiate? And then he's got to be a staunch negotiator to get those contracts that they keep at a, at, a, at a rate in which they can still have the, the, um, the amount of money they need to go get whatever else they need to get. From a market perspective, when you go out on the open market and free agency, that you don't overspend, but you upgrade in positions where you need to or get at least the equivalent of players when you can't, like for Dalton Schultz or Stevie Nelson. So it's across the board. How important, because now everything gets tougher, not just the schedule next year, but from Nick's perspective, now you're not just trying to fight a riot, find the fighting Rex Burkheads that are just going to come and fill a void for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking to take this team to the next level by upgrading position groups and, like you said, starting positions where, whether a guy's leaving or you want to
1: move on and move up. And expectations are going to be higher. Yep. The The fan base expects more from you. And if, like, again, t- t- 12 starters, not nine of them are, like, significant. Kicker, punter, they matter. Long snapper matters. But, like, we're talking about the, the critical, you know, two deep spots on offense and defense. And if nine of those 12 guys are duds – with the schedule you have next year, you're probably not going to be a very good football team. Like to be completely honest with you. Now, if he hits on all of these, that's, that's too high of a bar. If he hits on a high majority of these, you have to take the Texans seriously. Somebody who could crash the party, make a deep run in the AFC playoffs. So, All of it's on Nick Casario, and it's throughout the entire process. It's about talking with your own free agents before free agency even opens, trying to get some of the guys that you really like back on terms that you're okay with using the franchise tag. Maybe it's on John Grenard. Maybe it's on Kaimi Fairbairn because smart teams sometimes use their franchise tag on kickers because it's the top five average salaries in the NFL. On top of that, it's what you do in free agency. I thought Casario was good in free agency last year. Dalton Schultz and a prove-it deal. He proved to be pretty good. Good. He proved where he's probably going to price himself at it. Yeah, he got Singletary at 3.25. Yeah. Like, that was a really good pickup uh, by, by Casario. Perryman was all right. Like, he, he was like he wasn't very good in coverage he was good getting downhill and he missed a lot of games but better not a bad signing kind of signing. better than what they had and it didn't cost you a ton right. like so it was like very very low risk you had some some reward there same thing with ward like ward missed a lot of games and he didn't i didn't and think ward he was, was super productive but he didn't cost you a whole lot either but ward i thought was more
2: of a bust cashman's a great find cashman was a guy that really played his tail well, off. cashman
1: was cashman was prior to the previous offseason That's but true. but it was still but, I mean, a cereal yeah. and then some waiver wire pickups like at the Kendrick Green trade like while Kendrick Green was playing he actually gave you some pretty decent starts uh, early in the season whenever you absolutely had it. And that was a trade. So Casario needs to stack a good offseason the previous year. That wasn't without some controversy and questions and do it again. Now I, I, I do have some faith in Casario. Like I think that Casario is better than I think a lot of people do. What is your faith in Casario to stack a good off in 23 with another good off season in 24. I'm more leaning to
2: the to the side of things that he's going to continue to keep this rolling in the right direction because even in the middle of the season, something that he wasn't able willing to do, I think, in the past, when he went out and got some of the veterans that came in to help, like Barnett, like some of the guys he got late to fill some holes and gaps, and those guys actually played and played fairly well for you. I think that he's got a pretty good knack for talent evaluation. I think that he's going to do very well you know, I, I've, I've given him more credit than than you probably in terms of his, his ability to negotiate as well because that's going to be a key stat. That, I mean, a key trait that he's going to have mm-hmm. to really use this this offseason for all the things that we said. I think he, I, I think he's going to do a good job. I, I I have confidence in him that between the draft and free agency and retaining their own, I think that I, I will feel confident going into the start of the regular season that this team is better than they were a year ago.
1: Yeah, they'll... All of these steps are going to matter. And like how you get these starters can be a variety of different ways. Like you have a first rounder, that guy should be a starter. You have a second rounder, that guy should be a starter. I think a third rounder should be. Borderline Fringe starter. starter. Yeah. Now Tank Dell was like you know that, but that was a huge hit. Like you're not going to find a Tank Dell in the third round every year. Although he did find Nico Collins uh, a few you get years a third ago. Third round safety. You get a third round, you know, a corner that can play. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say three of the starters come from the draft class, yeah. and that's that's not even saying that it has to be a third rounder. It could be anybody from the third round on. Like that would be fine. Like however you get three starters from the draft, I think it's successful. Now of course you want it to be your first rounder your second rounder. That means that you have to go out and like let's let's eliminate the specialists. Let's say, eliminate I think the Weeks kicker, punter, back, long Johnson's snapper. Back, and Kaimi may get a raise, but Kaimi will be and, back. If, and if and if you don't if you if you don't sign one of them, you're going to go sign an average kicker for a very similar dollar that probably has very similar production. So if you eliminate the kickers out of it, the specialist out of it, kicker, punter, long snapper, so that gets you down to nine. Let's say you draft three of them, and get you down to six. six. Now you have to either sign your own or you have to go out in free agency and get some. And that's not always easy to do, especially in free agency, because if you're in free agency, who are you competing with? The rest of the league. So a critical offseason for the Texans, and Nick Casario is going to be earning his money. No doubt about it, because you think about it just from an offensive perspective,
2: you have to try and retain Singletary at a fair price. But regardless, you're probably going to need another key running back addition And that means you're going to have to find someone that wants to play here, and you're going to have to try and keep that as a manageable salary figure. And then you're going to need a tight end, too. Whether it's Jordan or not, you're going to need a tight end that complements Jordan and gives you the chance to at least be as good as Schultz was this last year.
1: And that's going to be a challenge for him. That's why whenever we're, like, pinching pennies for salary cap space and, like, talking about, like, Mike Evans and stuff like that, you don't need one starter, you're going to need to get nine. Now, some of them might come from the draft, and if you say three of them do, okay, well, now you need six. So you go get a one Mike Evans. What are you doing with the other five starting right. positions in a sport where depth is critical? Just something to keep in mind. Well, especially since we,
2: we kind of analyzed how much they were lacking depth throughout the early parts of this season, too, and how you had to go out and get guys later in the season to try and fulfill the depth that you didn't
1: have. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 713-780-ESPN. Nick Casario, is he the most critical man for the Texans this offseason? And what are those positions that you would like to see him uh, fill in the draft in free agency? Uh, 713-780-3776. Also, some running backs and receivers. Those are always the guys that you like to talk about in free agency. Which of those pending free agents intrigue you? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, right, before we go
2: to the break, another minute for my friends at Daisy Dips. You got big games this weekend. You got big plans. You got the f- uh, family coming over. Maybe you got friends coming over. You got a watch party for the two games. Maybe you need to serve some food, and with that, make sure that the people that are at your house are happy. Whether the game goes the direction you want it to or not, the people are going to be happy if the food is good. The food gets better if you get Daisy Dips. Daisy Dips makes everything better, from your favorite chip to your veggie dips to your pizza and your wings. Regardless, Daisy Dips does all the work for you, and then what you bring to the table is going to be fantastic dips, whether you get the ranch or you get the French uh, onion. It is delicious, and you don't have to do a thing. You don't have to mix it in the kitchen. You don't have to try and work and get the right combination. All you do is go to your grocery store, grab you the Daisy Dips, get a tub of the French onion, get a tub of the ranch, put it out with whatever you're serving, and people are going to love it and be thankful to you for bringing it to the table. Go to your grocery store today. Grab a couple of tubs of Daisy Dips.